If you had to create a problem that just begged for apathy and lack of action and lack of a solution, it would have all the attributes of climate change. Unless and until we connect our own action towards these larger discussions and debates, we will not be able to intervene because it will remain too superficial. We're supported not just by the faculty here and the staff and the students that are drawn to app, but also the community that lives around us. And as small as it is, it's very focused on sustainable efforts. From Appalachian State University in Boone, North Carolina, this is Sound Effect. Here's your host, Megan Hayes. At Appalachian, sustainability, as many will say, is in our DNA. It's a part of the culture here, beginning with our university's founding and growing and evolving over time. We're at a point now in which our institutional mission asks us to consider the impact we can and do have on our environment, the economic implications of our decisions, and the cultural significance that is what solutions we can develop that will encourage social equity in our world. These are really deep discussions, but what better place than a university setting to have them, to build them, to foster the continued evolution of how we will approach sustainability? We recently had a fascinating conversation about sustainability with three faculty experts, which was a discussion of the three E's. It was deep and thorough, and yet it raised dozens more questions, questions for which the answers will compound exponentially. You're listening to the end of that discussion now, part four in our podcast series on sustainability, in which these experts talk about how they teach sustainability in the classroom. For us at Appalachian, this is where we really get to the crux of this important work, because fundamentally, our mission is to teach, to encourage rich and deep consideration of this topic within our academic disciplines. In this part of the conversation, I ask them how they do this. A quick note, if you're just joining this discussion, there are three other parts, which are fascinating, and we hope you'll listen to them as well. Let's introduce our panel, and then we'll jump right in. Dr. Dinesh Padel is an assistant professor in the Department of Sustainable Development, whose research and teaching interests include climate change, identity politics, political economy, and subaltern social movements. Dr. Shay Tuberty is an associate professor in the Department of Biology, whose research interests are in ecological biology with a focus on water quality issues. Dr. Tuberty is also co-chair of Appalachian State University's Sustainability Council. And Dr. Todd Cherry is a professor in the Department of Economics, whose research and teaching interests include environmental and natural resource economics, regional economics, and public economics. Dr. Cherry is also the director of the Center for Economic Research and Policy Analysis at Appalachian and a senior research fellow at the Center for International Climate and Environmental Research, Oslo, in Norway. So let's take you now to what they have to say about teaching sustainability in the classroom. I would like to bring this back a little bit locally, back to our campus here. And Dr. Tubide, I'd like to start with you. Can you talk about how you teach sustainability in the classroom? That's a good point. I was hoping we'd do the same thing, because I, I know we can talk about all the inequities everywhere else, but I, I really want to talk about how App State is pushing sustainability in one way or another. So how I teach it. Um, my two classes that are kind of my bread and butter these days are invertebrate zoology, which is all the animals without backbones, which is 90, 98% of all animals on earth. And the other class is ecotoxicology in the spring, which is how humans basically affect water quality by putting heavy metals, PCBs, dioxins, and pharmaceuticals in, in situations where wildlife and humans are impacted. Try and understand how those things both affect it and how we can fix it. So 
For sustainability, it becomes an issue of biodiversity for my invertebrate zoology class. So I can take them to the Great Barrier Reef or the coast of North Carolina or even to the creek in the, on campus, which is a great learning outdoor field station, and show them what the immediate impacts of developing 25% of the land use within a small watershed will have, what those impacts will be on the water quality. You don't have to go do high-end analysis using the chemistry or physics department and all their great instruments over there. You can basically just collect the bugs, which, you know, I do the same collection method with my five-year-old and my 25-year-old grad students. Everyone has, talking about equity, everybody has the same amount of fun. And the only difference is in their ability to actually identify these these critters down to the genus and species. And if you can do that even to the orders or families level of the biological hierarchy, you can get a really good idea of what your water quality is based on presence and absence of sensitive or intolerant species. So North Carolina leads the country in developing these biological indices. And so for biodiversity, you can look at loss of biodiversity. This is you know hot on my topics right now for research. How much change can you allow without loss of the most sensitive species? And then are there classes of, of organisms that are expected to be lost with subsequent degradation of the water quality? So Boone Creek, which passes through campus, is the most degraded water body I'm aware of in the Boone area. Um, from walking distance from here, you can go to three of our reference streams, which are super high quality because they come off the Blue Ridge Parkway. So they're forested, they're protected, and so we use those to compare to. And so um, over the last few years, we've been looking at that. So I teach biodiversity loss from land use effects. In the Ecotox class, it's even simpler to connect that because that's a service learning course where we partner with state and local agencies, nonprofits. Uh, we've even gone up to West Virginia now and worked with community partners that are interested in having some analysis done of a water quality issue usually and uh, we do the analysis. So we do do the high-end analysis using instrumentation there and then give them a report on the the current effects and likely impacts of something they're probably pretty aware of already, but they want to know exactly what those impressions, you know, what is happening and is it actually beyond an EPA regulation so they can actually enact a law to help protect their water quality there. So for me, that Ecotox class is kind of like the pinnacle of my research in teaching, fusing together for public good. And so um, I mentioned the project over in Baden, North Carolina, with the Alcoa historic waste, the TVA spills. And I could go on, I think it's about 25 other projects we've done locally and regionally with that class, where the students partner with these community partners. At the end of the semester, they've, yeah, they've got a grade because they've got a report and a presentation, but those are given to their community partners to enact change and help them with some sustainable goal that they have in the end. So um, for me, it's, it's a real easy connection. For other faculty, I think they struggle to see how they, how they relate to sustainability issues. And I think that's part of what we're doing right here is trying to, to define how we differ, the three of us, how we differ in our approaches and maybe give people ideas on how they could connect to it. In your work with the Sustainability Council, have you seen some examples of professors doing this in the classroom that might not be as easy a connection to make immediately? Sure. Um, I mean, I think there's still a good part of our academic community that hasn't either identified or just gone on the books of doing. I think a lot of people are what we call rogues, and they're really just doing it, but they don't want to go to the 
through the paperwork of submitting a report or something. That's fine, too. Or may not realize it. I think that And, and I think that's a big part of it, too, because, um, I mean, you said right off the bat, you know, our definition of sustainability. I'm sure there's lots of people doing recycling, materials reduction, energy reduction. And those are the low-hanging fruits that get most of the attention on campus, which is fine. But I think it, it undermines the ideal to bring everybody to the table. And I think if you just keep giving focus to that and not to the other things that happen, uh, the sustainable art initiatives and other things like this, where people that think they're on the outliers of sustainability, I have no idea how I would ever connect this issue to sustainability. But when you're in these conversations continually, like at the Sustainability Council, which is incredible. You have 75 people coming together from every area of the university, from physical plant to economics. You know, it's just there's everything is in there. Uh, the guys that push the buttons for the, you know, the energy transfer and, and the guys that run the housing and the dining services, all of these folks come together with the goal of making the university more sustainable. It's an awesome awesome community to be a part of and uh, I walk away from our annual meeting where we all share goals we achieved in that year just completely filled with you know enthusiasm for how great our university is because of these efforts but there are lots of folks that would benefit from hearing those conversations to see how they would easily connect to some sustainable issue they just never it's never been framed that way for them and maybe their background isn't in something that is, is easily connected to it but I think that's one of our efforts, again, in this conversation we're having here is to open up the conversation to let people understand that there's a lot of different ways you can do that. So, Dr. Bardell, you're in sustainable development, which I think is probably a natural go-to in terms of teaching sustainability in the classroom. Can you talk about how you do that? Absolutely. Um, I feel lucky and, you know, um, in, in this university that I taught in two other universities before I came here, and I realized that Teaching sustainability, sustainable development is so exciting, very convenient, and flows really well here. The department, the whole university, the system is geared toward that, and students are already very acquainted with this idea, very committed to this idea. So I find teaching sustainability, sustainable development from both, you know, how to do it, plus very critically, you know, understanding its concepts and history is very fascinating, and I've been, you know, enjoying very much. Um, in our department, my teaching and others, we deal with, you know, both conceptual and practical aspect to it. First thing, what how I teach, how I introduce this idea is understand how contemporary global developmental, you know, practices and approaches operate. What do they do? What's happening right now? You know, trying to understand how things happening from very local to global perspective. I teach from very international development perspective and my, my colleagues that is from very local in the farm perspective. And how these contemporary practices create particular kind of social and environmental problems, um, injustices, or sometimes solve this problem, how they are doing. And then it follows with the idea of sustainable development can contribute to resolve these, these problems. And then finally, we talk about how we, as a student, an individual here, intellectual, academics, can contribute uh, to resolve these issues at individual, community, as a nation, or at the level of global development, how to deal with that. Fundamental of teaching is that to help un students understand the root cause of these problems and very pragmatic solutions. They, 
which are not just repeating, kind of, you know, fixing holes, patching here and there, but thinking through, you know, in a very transformative way so that we are not repeating the same mistakes. I give you one example. That was last February, I think. It was just a few days before Valentine's Day. And I asked the student, okay, how many of you are thinking of giving Rose that flower to your best friend? Everyone raised their hand, right? Then I asked them, okay, then tomorrow, what do you do next class? What you do is think about your flower, find out it's where it comes from, what kind of things it does. It's so fascinating. You must give your flower. It's so pleasure. It's, 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 but you're giving one flower, one rose, probably leads to a deforestation, cutting down of a tree in Cameroon. And they were all surprised. But majority of them found out exactly the case. Flower industry in Cameroon is booming. All Dutch companies, they control that flower. They bring that flower from Cameroon to Holland and they distribute it around the world. And that is exactly the flower you buy in that shop there and you give to your best one, your loved one. And you also care about sustainability. You are the forefront activist to preserve sustainability. So what you should do- I think you got a lot of guys off the hook there. (laughs) (laughs) So what you have to do is, you know, try to discuss from very critical perspective, how your own action, knowingly and unknowingly, you are contributing to some of these these processes. Unless and until we connect our own action towards these larger discussion and debates, one thing what we'll not do is we'll not understand in full scale. And next thing is we'll not be able to intervene because it will remain too superficial. So that's how we approach these, these things. And it's working really, really well. Dr. Cherry, one of the things that has really enlightened me just in this conversation um, has been this, I guess I came into this conversation thinking, okay, we got to break out of the environmental framework, the, the low-hanging fruit, you know, as you were saying, Dr. Tuberty, that, that it's all about the environment and how do we talk about these other E's with, you know, with breaking outside of the context of the environment. And what Dr. Padel has done for me in this conversation is say, it's really all about economy. It's all about the economics. So um, so that's been really interesting for me. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to save you for last with answering this question. Um, How do you teach sustainability in the classroom? Well, yeah, I think that economics is misperceived by a lot of people. At its core, it's how to manage scarce resources. I mean, that is economics. And sustainability is essentially taking that concept and applying it over time, over generations. Like, how do you um, I'll break it down to doing the best you can with what you have over time? Really, that is sustainability. And But the, the tensions and the questions come up, and this is what I try to press my students to understand, is what is the best, and how do you get there? And so people have different views on what is the best and what is the outcome that they want but understanding that there isn't some clear answer it's uh, there's a lot of a lot of trade-offs to be made and those trade-offs are difficult to consider and, and analyze but i think that understanding that whole concept and understanding the the, the breadth of it because it, it's not just money it's not just um prices it's 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 uh, there's costs and benefits and those costs and benefits are monetary non-monetary they're indirect or direct and and um, there's an old saying that people know just enough economics to be dangerous. And that's when you start thinking that as economics is very simplistic in terms of it's all about money and 
Um, cause like my family, they say, they ask me about the stock market. I'm like, I have no idea anything about the stock market. That's not what I do. I'm an environmental economist and I look at environmental policy. So they just think of economics is about, uh, about the money. And, um, and it is for some people that's their, as an individual, that's might be their makeup. But in terms of the discipline, it's a framework for understanding how society works and how it can work better through policies. Of course, if you didn't have humans in our human systems, the economy, then the world would be very sustainable without us. It's the interaction between the economy and the natural environment that's creating these issues that we have to face up to. Um, and uh, I remember in grad school, my advisor says, well, any environmental economist needs to know a lot about the environment. You can't be an economist. You can't be uh, an environmentalist. You got to be, you got to understand the whole system uh, and how they interact to, to effectively understand how things work. And, and once you understand how things work, you can address those questions. I mean, that's what drew me to environmental economics because I like interesting questions. And uh, I, so I like it when markets don't work. Those are the interesting academic intellectual questions. When it doesn't work, how do you fix it? How do you solve the problems? Along those lines is also behavioral economics, which is what I, what I spend a lot of time doing. And that's when people don't work. Like people don't do the right things. And why? And um, one of the results is that if you had to create a problem that just begged for apathy, and lack of action and lack of a solution you would it would have all the attributes of climate change that's a huge challenge for the system but also for people because we don't look in the long long term like we should so all those things are interesting for my upper level classes I, a lot of my students spend a lot of time doing research on policy just trying to estimate the impacts and the effectiveness of policies and achieving these sustainability outcomes well, I have uh, sort of an altruistic question, I guess, to end our discussion today. Um, and Dr. Pardell, I'm going to start with you. Um, what do you see as the future for Appalachian in light of this discussion that we've had today and the other discussions that, that are similar that you're having with your colleagues across campus? Um, I think this university has very unique future and opportunity on this issue. Nowadays, a lot of universities and other institutions, they are adopting sustainability and sustainable development is one of their main thing. Why? Because they see this is a new buzzword and they openly say, oh, the money is there. You know, it's, a, it's a, another opportunity for growth, for their own growth, right? This university has taken sustainability very differently. Um, very seriously. I looked at, went through some of the document. It has, the, you know, sustainability there for so long, so many years. They are trying to conceptualize, they are trying to implement and teach, which is quite reflective, at least in my department, at least the student that I interact with, they take it very seriously. They know it, that this is their main thing. This university takes this very seriously, historically that way. It's very particular geographic location, that is, it is basically kind of marginal land within within the U.S. system, right? Within U.S. geography, it's a far away, economically uh, not better off in many many ways, and it has all kinds of fragile ecosystems and surrounded by all kinds of ecological uh, systems and uh, you know all mining and all those issues, water and other issues. So even geography is in a, in a perfect location to try to understand by research and also put them out there for public to really understand what does it mean, right? 
So therefore, I see sustainable development, the concept, and the, this even loose concept of sustainability in itself uh, will gain a lot from this university. One thing this university should do, which is I think it's going to, towards this direction, is get more global international perspective. Broaden its research uh, outside these boundaries and invite people from uh, around the world. You know, increase campus diversity in terms of hiring uh, faculties from multiple backgrounds. Also invite students from all, all over the places to really create this uh, interactive debates and discussion. That will help both, one, to enhance, enrich our own understanding and knowledge. Another is to disseminate what we learn from here to many, very many places who would benefit tremendously from the knowledge that we have. Best is to enhance that diversity that will bring in the kind of knowledge we need and that will disseminate the kind of knowledge we produce out of it for global good. So I think we are in the best position to do that. We just need to sharpen our thinking, sharpen our strategies from very critical perspective. Don't, just don't take anything as it is. Try to understand why that way. Let's keep asking why. And that will lead us to some probably good future. And the university should allow that flexibility to help us ask that question all the time. Why? Why? We be critical every moment so that we, are, we sharpen, rather sharp our understanding and put that out there to practice for people. Dr. Cherry? Yeah, I think sustainability, as, um, as you said, uh, we try to say it's not a trend, it's, uh, it's just who we are. And um, uh, sustainability has been, a, I guess, a cause that a lot of universities have adopted. But I think Appalachian is uh, unique in the sense that we have the faculty to actually work towards that through their research and their uh, applied activities in the classroom. I mean, we have a, uh, a technology component on our campus that's amazing, doing the solar decathlon and so the and, and renewable energy. The environmental sciences are, are incredible. They're doing great, great work. And in my own department, we, we have one of the strongest environmental economics groups in the country and partly because we have six uh, environmental economists on, on, on our staff. And part of it is that it's the location. There's a lot of interesting research questions here that attracts people. But it's also the, the university itself. It's, uh, they want to come and work in a place that shares their, their interest and, and supports their research activity. So I think that what sets us apart is that we have actual strengths behind the words and actual activities that lead to contributions for society in, in terms of uh, sustainability. Dr. Tuberke? Well, I don't want to parrot the same things these two have just said, which were really great comments. Um, but I'd like to build on what Todd just mentioned, and that is that, you know, one of the strengths of Appalachian is the community we're built in. And speaking for myself, I couldn't imagine a community more interested in water quality and maintaining biodiversity, love of the environment, outdoor sports, and, you know, part of the culture at App State, you know, all the things that Todd just mentioned as far as the strengths we have and also the sustainability program, which is one of the very first in the country uh, within North, uh, North America, is the number of nonprofits focused on protection of the environment, conservation groups. I work with them constantly, and I'm very aware of 
the type of expertise they draw to Boone. And these are in a lot of ways my colleagues. They are teaching my students in the community-based research projects we do. I'm on the phone or emailing with them constantly about efforts to um, fix our wrong or share information about something they might know of that I'm basing a teaching module around. But the average Boonian or Boonite, whatever we call ourselves here, um, and just go to the Saturday market and share a cup of coffee with one of these people, you'll realize that we have a shared interest. People that come to Boone come here to not just get away from the heat in Florida or, you know, enjoy the ski resorts, but they come here because they want good water quality. They want to have fresh air. They want to have a forested view shed that has, you know, in their minds, never been impacted. So I think that the altruistic question you're asking is, you know, is ASU poised to make international contributions to sustainability? Absolutely. We are ranked, you know, very highly in both faculty-led and short-term international experiences for our students and in sustainability. So we are, you know, we are uh, pretty much breaking all the confines that many of our state institution partners would, would think that we have. You know, you're just a sister school up there in the mountains servicing the mountain folk. But when they realize that we actually send, you know, for a comprehensive university, we're sending more people abroad than just about everyone. I think we ranked third or fourth last year. You know, and we're two hours away from an airport. So uh, <laughs> how do we pull that off? Because the faculty and the community wants to do it. It's not something we're doing just to say that, you know, we've got this lackluster effort. It's an incredible landmark institution in those ways. And I, again, I think it comes back to, you know, we're supported not just by the faculty here and the staff and the students that are drawn to app, but also the community that lives around us. You know, as small as it is, it's very focused on sustainable efforts. You know, the, the local food community, the small farm communities, the uh, equity efforts, uh, it, it just goes on and on. And so um, I'm really proud to call Boone my, my home. And I think, you know, that people that come to Boone and I'm sure my two colleagues here are, are among them, could go anywhere. They could get a job anywhere. But they come to Boone because of the quality of life, and they want to maintain that quality of life. They don't want to come here and then close the door behind them. Uh, they want to make sure that anyone else comes here is also going you know, to know and, and uh, contribute to that effort. So I hope that in my own little way I'm doing the same thing. And, um, and I think that the university choosing this as a strategic plan it was ultimately the best thing I could have done, not just for the university's welfare, but also the community's. Well, Dr. Shade Tuberty, Dr. Dinesh Padel, and Dr. Todd Cherry, thank you so much for your time today. I will say that um, my undergraduate degree is from Appalachian in Interdisciplinary Studies, and I have found this a fascinating interdisciplinary conversation. It's been really, really um, just invigorating and enlightening to me personally, and I'm sure it will be to our colleagues across the university. So thank you very, very much for being here today. All right, thank Thanks. you. Thank you for having me. Today's show is written and produced by Troy Tuttle, Dave Blanks, and me, Megan Hayes. Our sound engineer is Dave Blanks. Our web team is Pete Montaldi and Alex Waterworth. Our theme song was written and performed by Derek Wyckoff of Naked Gods. Our podcast studio is dedicated to Greg Cuddy. Special thanks to Stephen Dubner for the inspiration, advice, and moral support. Sound Effect is a production of the University Communications Team at Appalachian State University in Boone, North Carolina. Thanks for listening. For Sound Effect, I'm Megan Hayes.
Hi, Sound Effect listeners. Just a quick note about these sustainability conversations. We were actually surprised, pleasantly surprised, and in retrospect, we really shouldn't have been surprised, but we were, that this conversation got so deep so fast. And we knew even before we started recording the conversation with Drs. Podell, Tuberty, and Cherry, who we dubbed the three wise men, that we needed to hear from wise women as well, women and men from more disciplines like art and education and government and justice studies, and from people who help run our campus as well as teach our students. And pretty quickly, we understood this was becoming its own program. So we decided to launch a new podcast series hosted by a sustainability expert, someone who is so steeped in the concept that it literally informs his daily life, what he eats, drives, how he interacts with others, why his lights are never turned on in his office. That person is Dr. Lee Ball, and he leads the Office of Sustainability here at Appalachian. His new podcast series is called Find Your Sustainability, and you can hear it on iTunes or at AppalachianMagazine.org. Hope you enjoy it and Lee as much as we do.